there are certain rules to running a horror movie franchise into the ground. First, quantity over quality. Every so often you'll luck out with a fan favorite once expectations are low. You want people to log into Tubi and feel like they need to catch up, so try for at least one movie a year. Second, change up the creative teams. Too much vision or consistency means you have to leave numbers in the title. People just want to say, ooh, another one, and dive in. Too much continuity feels like homework, especially when you can just shoehorn a few Easter eggs into some spec script. Third, when all hope is lost, you've been to the city, you've been to space, go back in time. Prequel, baby. That horse is beaten and dead, so go back to the farm it came from. And now, the Amityville Podcast looks at Scream. Welcome back to the Amityville Horror Podcast. I am Tom. I'm Pat. And today is Scream 3. The second of two instances in this little subsection where probably Pat and I are going to agree more than we disagree. Yep. Because um, Pat you, hates this one too. Yeah, it is, it, is by, it is definitely my least favorite of the franchise. That tends to be the popular opinion. I mean, I, I've, I, I had seen one and two before in their entirety. I think I've caught the last half hour or so of three before and was just dumbfounded yeah. at what I was seeing. Granted, it was late at night. Yeah. But uh, it does... I, I, I was thinking about it. Are there any actual movie trilogies left? By my huh. count, there's one. Uh, oh, maybe two. I'm trying to think of what they would but, be. Like, uh, everything... Lord of the Rings was a trilogy. Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah, but then they do all the Hobbit movies. But that was a separate storyline. But is it, though? I mean, they actually it franchise it because it's well, two separate trilogies. They book, but, but and they could that could have worked if they didn't bookend it with Elijah Wood. Oh, uh, you know what? All right, if that's disqualifying, and for the sake of this, obviously you. Are, I think it is. Yeah, like the like the let it be. Yeah, just leave it, al- just, just leave it alone. You yeah. did three. Just leave it alone. Like Pirates gone, Star Wars gone twice. Yep. Uh, Indiana um, Jones gone, gone. The Matrix. Gone. Mm-hmm. If it ever was, depending on how you counted Animatrix. Um, I know people are nuts about the third one, but Dark Knight Trilogy. That, that okay. is a trilogy. Okay, that's still, tri- that yeah. is still a trilogy. They didn't uh, even put any of that in the Flash movie. They didn't try yeah. and like nod over to it. Okay. All right, so there's Dark Knight Trilogy, which yeah, I am definitely in the camp that hates the Dark Knight Rises with a burning passion. Uh, like the Night of Living Dead was a trilogy. Now it's it wound up being six. The Romero section, you know, the Romero. Uh, depending on how you count it, yeah. At minimum, it's four. Uh, but then Land is absolutely one. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, I still four. I think Diary uh, definitely still fits Romero doing just exploring ideas in the in that. Well, I think yeah. it explores ideas, but it's definitely a reset. Like, this is a separate, like, it's specifically a separate new story. And different timeline because it's not as lived in. That's yeah. what, it, well, no, it's act like that was the, the, yeah. the stated purpose of it was that, uh, what if, what if Night of the Living Dead happened now? Yeah. As opposed to never happening at all. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man's, uh, is no longer a trilogy. No, yeah, uh, exactly. Expanded out. Expanded out. Wait, does that mean that now we have The Amazing Spider-Man is now a trilogy? Uh, no, because it is just, it is a wing of a bigger franchise. Fair, fair. Yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I know there are only three Iron Man movies and three Captain Americas, but none of the Marvel movies can be considered separate enough anymore. Like, 
They're no. all no. Yeah. There's there are three Iron Man movies, but they're not a trilogy because and everything. Even though they called it Trinity, if Blade Three had done well, it would have mm. had a fourth one. Okay, well Blade so is like, still three. It is three, but I don't think it was intended as a trilogy so much as well, none of them were. But this some stuff like Indiana Jones is meant to be a trilogy. No, it wasn't. Originally, I think the idea was no. the Last Crusade was a statement not just about the Crusades and you know do one more, but it was meant to be the closure of the Indiana Jones trilogy. It definitely was, but it was like Indiana Jones wasn't intended to be a trilogy. Raiders of the Lost Ark was just a hit. Not from the first one, no. Well, that's well, that's my point. Okay, is that like so the, intent the, from these... the get go. Back to the Future is the only thing I got. Yeah, and even that is not an intended trilogy. Like, well, okay, putting aside, none of these are ever intended trilogies. But You need to if, make money first. But you need to make money first. Uh, but yeah, Back to the Future is the only one that I can think of that still counts. Like, I mean, as long as, you know, it's kind of like a Berenstein Bears Mandela effect. I'm in the universe that doesn't have a third Godfather movie, right? I think the Godfather saga is a giant 12-hour epic that needs to, at some point, be properly editorialized. I'm in the universe that only has two Godfather movies, right? You are in that universe, Okay, right? good. So, yeah, then it's just Back to the Future, which is just kind of crazy. I'm not necessarily. I. Why you gotta be like this? this is because just, you have a podcast. Fucking Godfather 3. Let's make a third Godfather movie 20 years after the fact. It's fucking. Don't it's worry, it's gonna than, be terrible. It's better than a lot of other mob movies. It's just is in it? that. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen some bad ones. Now, granted, I mean, I've, I've seen, seen a lot of bad movies, but I I've mean, seen a lot of bad mob movies. Um, I've seen a lot of prestige mob movies that I don't think are as good as Godfather 3. Unfortunately, Godfather 3 is up against the other two Godfather movies in its own series, so it looks so much worse. And it's bad. Like, it's it's not just bad in comparison to Godfather 1 and 2. It's just a bad movie. It's like the frumpiest Hemsworth is still a Hemsworth. No. I mean, the frumpiest Hemsworth is still a Hemsworth. That's being too nice to the Godfather Part 3. That movie's just I'm just trying to find a metaphor. I mean, sure... Don't 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 be mean to Luke. We won't be I didn't even name names except for the last name. You got you're oh, I'm sorry. Picked. Yeah, at this point is like like look, Liam is prettier, but I don't think anybody. I think people enjoy Luke's performances more. Westworld and his cameos in the Thor movies. Okay. There's a th- there's Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, I mean there are four bald ones. Right, but that's. <laughs> Uh, really, who would defend Godfather Three? I'm not defending Godfather Three. I'm saying I don't hate it to the degree you hate it. That's weird. No, because it's terrible. But anyway, yeah, Back to the Future, hanging in there. Because mm-hmm. like even Army of Darkness or the Evil Dead, you have the whole TV show. Yeah, yeah, continues everything out. Yeah, like not even the just saying like the Ash trilogy or the Sam Raimi trilogy, <gasps> but. Bill and Ted still... That Bill is and a, Ted that is, is a trilogy. A, Bill and, and Ted is meant, a trilogy. And they meant to do three from very early on. Well, they tie together very well. Like, the yeah. end of three feels like, yes, this is... 
we finally pay off the thing that we set up in the first movie. Exactly. Now they just never need to make a third. A and I think one. that I don't think they plan on making another one. I think that this, besides taking so long to get done, um, it was a passion project that yeah. they had had for literally decades yeah. um, around like the mid nineties. In the interviews, uh, all of them at different points were like, oh, yeah, there's an idea for another Bill and Ted. Mm. We're not ready for it yet. <laughs> like, are you waiting for financing? No, they're not old enough. Yeah. Like, they said back then, like, when they probably still would have had to struggle for financing. Because mm. um, the ideas were big and weird. Yeah, yeah. But they said, like, yeah, we, we, ha- we know what it is, but we have to wait until we're all old and washed up or at least can play that, you know. Hopefully we're not, but um, yeah, we have to be like middle aged for this. You know, that's what the third movie is, yeah. and so yeah, someday. It took a few it more years than they wanted. It was worth it. Oh my god, it was yes. so worth it. So great. Bill and Ted Three is so goddamn good. Yeah. So that's two trilogies, both that's involve two. time travel. Yeah, and are just fun. Yeah, because well, there's three RoboCop movies, but then but that's not a trilogy. I mean, because it's no. not it's not a solid continuance of themes. Fair, fair. And it doesn't mm-hmm. provide itself closure. Mm-hmm. It was just, we're doing another one, and then uh, mm-hmm. I guess that's where we leave off. Yeah. We're going to try it without Peter Weller and, you know, any good people behind the camera. And as it, it turns out, nope, yeah. we needed something. You, have you seen that NECA is putting out a Alex Murphy action figure? Really? Yes. Nice. And he comes with multiple heads and chests. Fair. Because, yeah. yeah. And I... See, it's the weird toy collecting logic because I don't necessarily want an Alex Murphy figure. It's a nice looking figure, but I don't love RoboCop that much that I need every mm. figure of it. But does buying a Peter Weller action figure encourage the market to give me a Buckaroo Banzai action figure? I'm still shocked we haven't had a proper like lifelike... Because they did reactions, didn't they? Or no? NECA? No, well, um, I guess it was Super Seven was doing reaction yeah. after or Funko or I think it's it's, Super it was Seven. all the yeah. Funko bought out Super Seven for yeah. the reaction license. Mm. Oh no, <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, this is a long while ago. Yeah, oh, I didn't realize that. No, it makes sense was, though. Yeah, Super Seven was doing the reactions on Alien initially. Yeah, and then they were like, "Well, if we can do the same thing Funko's doing with the likeness rights." Sidestepping, so we're getting costume rights from the studio without mm-hmm. having to get facial rec- you know, yeah. resemblance clearance. And they so they were doing reaction, and Funko said, "Oh, they're making a lot of money doing our model of pop. Yeah, um, let's just buy them." And they did, and then they just mm-hmm. took all of their licensed library and started putting it onto that. Really glad I didn't get into reaction. There's some great stuff out there, oh, but yeah. um, I'm not into that scale. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I grew look. up on the the three and three quarters. So. Oh, sure, sure, sure. No, I, I don't disagree with, with with the product at all. It's just not something like. Well, they're more uh, the reaction ones resemble more the Star Wars figures than the GI Joe. More, yeah, GI Joe like seventy eight Kenner. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which no kung fu grip or whatnot. The uh, the appeal is that you just can create this tableau of every single movie you've ever liked right. all in the yeah. same scale and they look mm-hmm. like they belong together which is fun but uh nah I, I just don't like dig them as much but nah. I think the one thing they really missed out on the only one I have is Sam oh nice hidden anyway um 
I would love if they'd have done play sets. But I know sure. that that's well, way more tooling and all well, that. This suddenly requires investment, and investment will ruin our bottom line. But, like, if they did, like, a small, like, okay, the Halloween stuff has done really well for us. Mm-hmm. Let's make a San Diego exclusive, 200 pieces only, Myers House. Yeah. Or something. No, I don't disagree. Yeah. But, but, but all this is to say that franchising has made it so that they're really it's just Bill and Ted and Back to the Future now yeah. the only real trilogies left like yeah. the Mummy the Mummy movies are technically three movies but mm-hmm. Rachel Weisz is in the third one yeah and, and then you have the Scorpion King spinoff stuff yeah those and, are spinoffs but you know but it's like they were they were definitely not shooting for trilogy they were shooting for make more yeah agreed agreed um, but Scream 3 was originally intended to close the trilogy yes which would have been fine back yeah. there was more of a cachet to having a, a, just a trilogy right and Kevin Williamson had written a treatment out um and because of Scream doing so well, mm-hmm. he was, you know, not getting work before Scream. Scream was his big sale. That was his big breakthrough script, uh, mm-hmm. famously. But that got him stuff like, I know what you did last summer, which is a very disappointing adaptation of that book. I've gone off of that I yeah. think, back during Amityville days, mm-hmm. which we'll get to again. Oh, I haven't even looked at what's come out. I haven't looked. We still yeah, got, we like, got time. We got, we got three got more Screams. Yeah. But he was doing that. Then he got uh, Dawson's Creek, and mm-hmm. he was show running and writing a ton of the episodes on that. Really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. That was that was all Kevin Williamson, oh, and he did. Um, he had just uh, the faculty. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a whole bunch of stuff that like old scripts that were being dusted off and put out, being commissioned for new things. Produ- now stepping into producing roles and stuff like that, and he just. He did not have time in his schedule to write Scream 3. Um, the movie that was closing out a trilogy that he launched and Wes Craven was directing, and I'm still very disappointed that he didn't write this one because yeah. for all of my love of 1 and 2, even in places where you're not so nuts about them, I love that he is a fan of the genre and that he's looked at it more than just being able to say it was Mrs. Voorhees in the first Friday the 13th. Mm. He looks at the structure of horror movies. He looks at the DNA of sequels. He looks at what makes these things tick. And he wrote a treatment that was semi-followed mm-hmm. by uh, Nickel Fellowship winner Aaron Kruger, mm-hmm. who, the name, yeah, I'm sure that's what got him in the office on this one. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, Kruger's working for Craven again, huh? Um, and the novelty of that aside, he is not my favorite writer. No, I think he worked on a few of the Transformer movies. He definitely worked on a few of those, whether it's Wind and Curtsy, and uh, I have not kind things to say about those screenplays. They're not good. No. The, there's arguments for parts of the first one, uh, Transformers movie, in terms of like good character work, and I will argue for the script for the third one, because it there's actually a story and character, and it was surprising. Yeah, it um, feels like an anomaly at this point. Oh, uh, it is. Uh, well, yeah, in the Michael Bay ones. Right. God damn it, you liked Rise of the Beast. Don't act like I did you not. Oh, oh, no. My opinion, I, I remember my review of Rise of the Beast was that it was the second best live action Transformers movie, and I hated it. Bumblebee is the only you one did I did not liked. say you hated it. 
You I did th- say I, the first part. I might you not have not said it. say you hated I it. I did say it. You might have been in the bathroom. How does that count as saying that to me? To the other people who were there. I didn't say I said it to you. I know that I said it all the what way the out of the theater. What the fuck is with you with this shit? I you keep pulling this shit all the time. I've never been shy about hating that movie. I, you you seem to remember me saying I liked it, and I did you not. Did. I did not. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I very firmly mm. stand... I did not enjoy that movie while I was watching it, nor in the moments afterwards. Mm. I only acknowledge that it was much better than most of the franchise. Great. I don't understand how I'm the lawyer, but I'm much more forthright and honest with the way I speak. I was not shy about my opinion on the way out of the theater. I just don't know. Maybe it was because we saw it with Virginia, right? Yeah. Maybe her and I were outside of smoking. And you, because so, we smoked, and you wandered off or went home, or I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know what story you're concocting because you weren't smoking anymore at that point. And she vapes. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't smoking. I don't. Know. I, I I could buy you get you saying it when I'm in the bathroom. What I don't understand is how you're I, acting like that's. I should have known that that's when you said it. I don't know when <laughs> I said it. All I know is that I'm surprised you didn't hear me say it. Yeah, because that would have been an hour's worth of discussion. Maybe then. that's why I didn't say it. Oh, that, so that you probably sense. just didn't say it. Not to you. I definitely said oh, it that day. Bitch. All right. Scream I remember three. not liking Scream it. Scream 3. Great. Look, at least, well, let's get our fighting blast. out of the way now over no, the Transformers. No, You think I'm not going to last with the angry now? I'm going to try some of this weird Sprite. Okay. Weird We're sprite. Uh, going into Scream 3 with a Sprite Limonade Legacy. I don't know what the legacy is because it's a new flavor that is strawberry lemonade lemon lime Sprite. You an asshole. Scream 3. How are there three more of these? Um, How would anybody ever want to make any other Scream movie after this? I love the first two. We've established this. I I almost didn't go to see Scream 4 after this one. I don't understand why there's a Scream 4. This is unfathomably bad. I want to double check what studio put Scream 4 out. I don't know if it was Miramax. It's probably the Weinstein Company. Gentle listeners, I did not like this movie uh, at all. There was at least one part where I literally just groaned as loud as I could. And then by the end of the movie, I was screaming at the movie. Pardon the expression. Oh, yeah. I was yelling at the movie. I was scolding the movie. Because holy shit, this is terrible. It's bad. It's so bad. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, part four was the Weinstein Company, which surprises me because there are a lot of anti-Weinstein, at least, things hinted at. Yeah. Uh, but they're also anti-Hollywood, anti, you know. Yeah, uh, but and the, the Weinsteins are pro-money, and this is, hey, maybe we'll make a Scream 4, maybe it'll work. Yeah, but I, I feel like there was a sour taste in Wes Craven's mouth um, through this whole thing, whether it be just being made to make this one off of this script, or... 
being dragged into it or whatever. I don't know. I'm surprised that he came back for part four because care. this seems like it was probably a very miserable experience for him. Do we know like like how far away from music of the heart it was? Maybe that could explain it. Uh, might have been, oh, you do one for us, we'll do one for you. Maybe. I feel like it was after Red Eye, though, and Red Eye was kind of a hit. Yeah, but he wanted to make Music of the Heart, and their studio was really backing him on doing a non-horror movie. I think so, that was, it might have been earlier. It doesn't matter. This they were morning. around the same time, but I, I, it, I could see this being a you do this for us, we'll finance that one. Mm. Let's, just, let's just start with the opening sequence. Great. We uh, get we we open on the Hollywood sign. We cut to Cot- leave Schreiber as Cotton Weary, complaining to his agent about playing a cameo in the third Stab movie. Mm-hmm. Guess uh, what? It's the first of why bother taking notes every time it happens. Uh, at where, least eleven uh, conversations about movies and or self-referential well, conversations. I was, <laughs> yes, uh, I was going to narrow it down because I have different shorthands, much like the how long have we been brothers that we always complain about. Ah, okay. This one, um, it's like we're in a movie based on our own life. Well, that's never said in the movie. The entire movie has the whole thing of... You know, isn't it wacky that movies and life are so similar, especially when crazy coincidences like this happen to us that never actually happen in the real damn world? Eleven times before I got tired of counting. Fair enough. But, like, that is that is a running... That is the whole movie. That's that, the whole that, movie. That's, that's the framework yeah. of this movie, mm-hmm. which yeah. they had no real reason or urge to make another slasher movie. They were, were so... Far into the mainstream of it is a horror it's technically a horror movie but we don't want to scare anybody because people don't like, most people don't like horror movies so it's just a thing that's there like other horror movie franchises as they go along they still try to do things it may not work as much like but Final they, Destination nothing in the sequels is really scary but oh you can't two is the scariest fun. fucking one that's a good point. The log truck is yeah. terrifying. I'm so now, scared of log you can do You can do scary things in sequels. You can take big swings. You can also get real boring. Like This got boring. Halloween 4 plays it fairly safe. And it's kind of boring, but it's still kind of fun. It's still very Halloween-y. But Halloween but, 6 takes some big swings, and the producer's cut I find fascinating. Not necessarily good, but at least they tried something. Uh, haven't seen Halloween 6 Halloween 4 I'm going to disagree with because that was the we have to fix the franchise one so that's the risk was just making another one fair it's, right. it's a conventional slasher movie but but this is after Halloween 3 they lead to so, what they do yeah. they didn't want to take any crazy swings and I don't think it was a movie to take crazy sw- the crazy swing was Halloween 3 right and well, yeah. I love it but, yeah but okay this one, and then Conway gets stabbed in his short appearance in Stab in, in his three. in his as mentioned cameo. Uh, we already Which know they that will, they they keep repeating it for the next five minutes after he dies mm-hmm. that he was doing a cameo for Stab. Yeah, in case you didn't get it, um, this movie really shouts at the back row. Apparently, some of the subtleties that I I tend to love about two. Uh, we're also not nothing. well received. There's um, nothing subtle about part Aaron two. Aaron Kruger does not know subtlety. He Dude. barely knows what people sound like. Dude, Kevin, have you seen Scream 2? 
There were granted. This is worse. This is much much worse. We're gonna. But people weren't talking that. People weren't talking like normal human beings in number two, and there was nothing subtle about number two. Let's leave two in the dust. Fair. We've already done that episode twice. Yes, we have. Let's just vent about this one because we got plenty to talk. It's so bad. It's Cotton just... Weary, the character that we established in two, is not necessarily a good guy. He was just innocent of murder. Yeah. Um, so we open the movie with a not terribly sympathetic returning character. Yeah. Now so disposable. Host, now the host of the hit talk show, 100% Cotton. Mm-hmm. So he Which is, is kind of a great name. For you. yeah. Your name's Cotton. That's a pretty good yeah. name for a show. But like, he sold out. Okay, great. Neat. We knew he was going to do that. We knew he wanted to do that. He did that. Uh, we have no reason to like him. And we know that he's going to die in this opening sequence, so it's really not a shock whatsoever. There is no surprise. There is no pageantry to this. Uh, There is, on TV, when he gets home, before he gets killed, Mm. is an episode of his talk show where they're talking about how dangerous and erratic drivers are in L.A. Mm. And he had just had to... like tear through traffic to get home he was cutting people off so this is irony except that it's not because how would the killer have known that all of that was going to happen on his way home specifically to know to put that tape in plus is he being punished for the thing he just got put through by the killer like you're thinking about this way too much i'm saying on in somebody's head that was clever they put Mm -hmm. that news report on specifically they had to shoot that scene specifically to have there, they thought that was clever. They thought that that was a good justification. Oh, he's a bad guy. And it's bad writing. I'm not going to call it lazy. I'm going to call it bad. It was trying to do something and just eating paste. Yeah. And this is, he's rushing home because the ghost face killer has called him and told him that if he does not tell the killer where Sidney Prescott is, he's going to kill his girlfriend, played by uh, I can never remember the actress's name. She was Dixie Cousins on Briscoe County Junior. Yes, I cannot remember her name. I can't remember her name either. I'm looking it up. But the uh, the new thing, the thing that does get uh, introduced, uh, Kelly Rutherford, that's her name, hmm. um, is that Ghostface now, the voice-altering technology can mimic other people's voices. Uncannily, and not just yeah. like modern day deep fake AI, where if you run a paragraph through a voice, you know, whatever they're calling them, the it's not the Chat GPT or whatever, whatever it is, but you can get very realistic sounding celebrity voices after it's analyzed hours and hours of a celebrity's voice, which has been recorded plenty of places. Mm. But this is just anybody. It just happens to perfectly mimic the voice of anyone you want to on four little buttons or dials in 1999. Yeah. uh, Bullshit. 100% bullshit. That technology does not exist today, nor did it back then. I mean, it... And it's a major pin in this story. It didn't exist back then, yes, but it has always been present in this franchise. The voice modulator gag. The generic always, one. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's a, it doesn't come out as a, like a person's voice. I know. Like, it would come out as just, your voice sounding weird and detuned or something like that. It doesn't come out as some other specific person's voice, which the franchise that always had. Right. That. 
But at least if you're saying like the Optimus Prime voice changer does the same modulation each mm-hmm. time, willing to go with it that that's established. Yeah. But the perfect mimicry of anybody right. ever is, I mean, yeah. that's Mission Impossible type technology that yeah, I agree. the killer just happens. Yeah. Well, he's. Nobody he's, knows he's, that this technology even the, exists. He would, though, because he's in the movies and this is what they do. It could, like, I could see it working with Cotton and Gale because there's hours and hours of footage of them to, and audio yeah, yeah, to okay. capture from. Yeah. But Dewey, Sydney, and. Uh, I think there's, like, one other that's, like, blatantly I don't know where you're getting the audio capture yeah. for this. So yeah, no, it's stupid. And like it could have been funny fun for, for interesting for a second because the killer as using the cotton weary voice is messing with the girlfriend and it could have been a thing where he's like he ends up framing cotton like for real because right. if he had not killed her then it just would have been Cotton running around like a crazy person backing up the whole idea that, oh, you are the killer and everything. But mm-hmm. no. Cotton could have shown up at the apartment and the cops are already there saying, we have your confession. You called it in. You, mm-hmm. I killed my girlfriend. Like, yeah. And then, yeah, do something with that. Yeah. That would have been an idea for a clever movie. But he's just here for a short cameo. Right. And so we... Then we get to the set of Stab 3, and we get introduced to a lot of our characters. And the thing that... The internal logic of the movie doesn't make... Like, one of the things that doesn't make sense is they're supposed to be making Stab 3. Because we have to line up exactly with what we're doing. Even though, in the universe of these movies, we've only seen Stab 1. Right. And in Stab 1, besides the casting changes, which we'll get to from Stab to Stab... Well, actually, let's just cover it now. They make jokes about how we couldn't get the actors back from the first stab because of X, Y, Z, making a real, you know, punch in the gut the fact that you couldn't get any of the Scream actors back for this one except you got everybody back. So, like, what are they making fun of there? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But the thing that I don't understand is why are all the... Like, they call it Stab 3 Return to to Woodsboro, Mm -hmm. but they're essentially just making the original Scream movie. Right. And they're doing perfect replicas of all of the houses from the first Scream movie, even though when we saw the clips from Stab, they weren't perfect replicas from it. So, what are you doing? Well, they want to do... They're really pushing the idea that this is a trilogy. This is the end of the story. And so, we have a lot of uh, retrospective looks back, because as... You pointed out this is the fourth movie. Oh, wait, this is the third movie. Uh, <laughs> and they make a lot of references to all the production stuff of, but wait a minute, Randy got killed in the last mm-hmm. one. Are we talking about the last scream or the last stab? Because Randy was killed in real life. Yeah. And Randy in the movie also, but the movies are based on real life or we're making shit up now. What are we doing? Is art imitating life? Is life imitating art? You have to make a stance before you make an argument. Yes. And this movie just is a dog chasing its tail before it passes out and falls asleep. Yes. We see we we get introduced to all of the cast members of Stab 3 who will be the majority of our main characters 
they uh they this happens when Gail Weathers shows up because she's heard about the murder of Cotton Weary from Detective uh McHare. Was that was his name? Um, McDreamy. McDreamy. Detective, Detective McDreamy. Right. McGuilty. McHare. He's the hot side hot and the cold side cold. McHare was a different guy. Um, sure. Apparently it's a popular show. I've seen two episodes of Grey's Anatomy and it was really quite terrible. Uh, I'm an ER man. Chicago Hope if, you know, nothing else is available. Scrubs. Ride or die. Scrubs is great. Up until the show ended when Zach Braff left. <laughs> but... Um, no, re-scrubs his... No, no, no. So, uh, they're all doing... The, the, uh, Gail shows up at the set of Stab 3, Return to Woodsboro. She runs into Dewey, who's a technical advisor, and everybody wants to know where Sidney Prescott is. And as Sydney well Prescott, as the air that should be covering Gail's forehead. We'll get to that. Uh, we, Sidney Prescott, our purported main character of the this entire franchise, is in this movie for maybe 30 minutes altogether mm. of a two-hour movie, because she is high, living as a recluse in East Bumble whatever. We mm-hmm. never really know where it is. Townsville, America. Townsville. Not even a town. She's in a cabin in the woods by yeah. herself. Great and place for a final girl. With an alarm with like an alarm system, t- like a specific separate alarm system just for this uh fence that goes up to your waist. I've hopped bigger fences in, at my age. Yeah. And so uh since you know uh, you brought it up. Yeah, on the Gail Weathers hair journey, she has the worst bangs I've seen since uh, Al Pacino's girl uh, wife in Heat. Ouch. Because at, yeah. at least they were uniform. At least they were trimmed yeah. properly. They were too short and horrible. Mm-hmm. But this looks like a mistake kept getting corrected until there was almost no bang left to correct. Yeah. They just should have gone wig again. And yeah, it like it, it doesn't help that like uh, Parker Posey is playing Gail Weathers in the fake movie. Right, this is gonna get old quick. Um, and she's got the original Gail wig, which is kind of fun because again, they're calling it Stab Three, but they're just making the first movie mm-hmm. because. I mean, look, it's not like they threw the gag away. It works in Scream too. Yeah. You have to make Scream 2 now. You're, you got to make Stab yeah. 2 now and fiddle with that. It's all the same characters, so I don't understand what the problem is. I will pa- I will pause for a moment to say that Parker Posey, first thing I'm going to mention in this movie I liked. She was good throughout. Yeah. Her and Patrick Warburton were the highlights of this movie. Absolutely. And Carrie Fisher in a brief scene. Yeah, that's a nice little cameo. Yeah, but like... Patrick Warburton and Parker Posey, you put them in anything, they're pretty much going to be seen Steelers. There's a bit where, you know, it looks like Parker Posey is going to be next on the murder list. And the scene ends and she just nonchalantly walks up to Patrick Warburton, who's her bodyguard, and just leaps into her his arms and he catches her and holds her effortlessly. It's like, mm-hmm. it's okay, baby. Yeah, like Superman <laughs> holding Lois in the yeah, old style. It's so good. Yeah. It was just like it's so much more than just a oh I'm hopping in there. It's just like love me and protect me. So it's pretty funny. Yeah, it was. But that's all the movie has to offer: yeah. cameos. 
Yeah. Like, Jay and Silent Bob are in this movie, and they're uh, one of the better parts of the whole thing. Yeah. Whenever you have an actor that seems comfortable going off book as long as it's right for the moment, that seems to be when it works. So yeah. the two of them, they know how to stray from the script and to be able to make it interesting. Uh, the Jay and Silent Bob cameo. Sure. Which has no place in this movie whatsoever, <laughs> and yet was still welcome because of how absolutely... This is funny. Yeah. Yeah, Jay spots Gail Weathers. It's like, Doe, Silent Bob, look, it's Connie Chung. Hey, how's Maury doing? <laughs> it's perfect. Because they're on the set of Sunrise Pictures, the film studio that's making Stab mm. in the Stab series, which is run by Lance Henriksen and Roger Corman. Well, Roger Corman's in the scene with him, uh-huh. and Lance Henriksen is... Sort of, kind of supposed to be half Roger Corman, half Weinstein. Yeah. Because he has the party mansion where um, bad things happen. To Rena Reynolds, the stage name for Maureen Prescott, mm. Sydney Prescott's mother. Because we have to, there's more stuff about Sydney Prescott. Like, there is almost, like, later Saw-level... Uh, we had planned these things, and so now, you know, John Kramer has a video about that, or there are mm. recordings of this, or there are designs for this. Like, the Randy tape. The Randy like, tape. Uh, total saw, not, like, post-death nonsense. Let's do the Randy tape now, because it's one scene we can get it out of the way. We'll come yeah. back to some of the other bits. The Randy tape, uh, Randy's sister, uh, played by Heather Monterazzo, yeah. uh, from Welcome to the Dollhouse, amongst many other things. Um, I didn't want to be the only one. <laughs> I still love The Devil's Advocate. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, it's a fun movie. I'm saying. But uh, she shows up as Randy's sister that one character luckily recognizes. Dewey. And she has a tape that she found that Randy recorded when he was away at college. Yeah. Not at home, where she would have found it. No. Well, maybe he mailed... Like, you, you assume that he, they collected his effects. I guess so, but it's... She does find this thing from his college dorm room. No, from his stuff when they brought it from home. After he got murdered. After he got murdered. They don't leave the shit there. I know, I'm just you saying... You also don't get straight A's if your roommate is murdered. What? I know. Man, I wish I had done better in college. Now. There is some sort of television show where, like, it's an FBI profiler captures a crazy like psycho Hannibal Lecter type of guy and uh, she keeps him in his basement in her basement and uh, she's like using him to get you know the point of view of a killer to help her uh, find people that are kidnapped and everything and I'm watching the commercial and I realized halfway through the commercial that our psycho killer, our, you know, Hannibal Lecter analog, is played by Mark Paul Gossler. Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> I'm kind of intrigued just for that one part. Zach Morris one. was the worst. He was uh, an inhuman scumbag. Yeah. It cannot... Yeah. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, we'll come back. So they find this... She finds this tape amongst yeah. his stuff yeah. and happens to find it just in time... Two years after the other incidents for this new set of murders. I feel like, did, she, did she have like a throwaway line saying like, like, oh, like bring to them if this happens sort of thing? I guess maybe, but yeah. if it was a throwaway line, it was because it's such a stupid timing yeah. kind of thing. And That's he, why I think even like this movie 
had like a, a line about it. Like, cause I don't think she just found it, but yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Why I don't I'm know. I was already credit. mad. I don't know why I'm giving the movie credit. Yeah. Uh, because the tape opens with him saying, Hey, this incident going on at college right now that we're all in, in the middle of scream two, mm. Uh, if I don't make it through, I want to explain the rule of trilogies because this is probably a bigger ongoing thing and trilogies have their own set of rules. Mm. And so he drops this new Tupac album about the rules of trilogies and talks about, you know, famous horror trilogies such as uh, The Godfather or Star Wars. Yep. Yep. Um, I mean, Godfather Part 3 is horrifying. Yeah, and he explains that in a trilogy, by the end of the third one, the killer is completely unstoppable, like Michael Corleone. Well, it's it's even better because he says horror movie trilogies are rare, but they do exist, and then he proceeds to list none. No, because Aaron Kruger does not actually know of any because yeah. they don't exist, I and mean, he doesn't didn't. know what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, they don't exist. It's, it was a lie. It's complete bullshit. This movie has no love of the genre. It has no knowledge of the genre. No. It's... Com- it's Scream 3. Yeah. But it's... If somebody who liked horror would have been involved in the screenplay, that would have been neat. I mean, yeah, but... See, it's different for me because for you it's a much steeper drop-off. Between two and three. It's For a, me, yeah. this is the end, the bottom of the hill that we were already going down on two. It doesn't justify being in such a pit. No, not at all. No. This is unfathom- it's an unfathomably bad movie. Yeah. It just, no, but... I'm just saying. Right. I'm remarking on yeah. your like where you're coming from and where I'm coming from. Like Fair enough. when you say like, imagine if somebody that liked horror movies was involved in this. Well, I mean, he was in the last one, and that sucked. And again, like these are all directed by Wes Craven. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, like the last one at least knew when to name horror movies that were appropriate to the scene. Yeah, I guess it knew how to name drop. This one doesn't know how to name drop. It name drops. It named Godfather yeah. and Star Wars. Guess what the last one did? Godfather and Star Wars. It named them in the classroom scene. Yeah. So he didn't even need to know that. That yeah. was already in the assignment. Agreed. Like, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Do not disagree. Terrible, terrible throwaway chance to throw Randy in there for a cameo. Adds nothing to the movie. Well, no. Now we set up that Sydney could die. Oh, right. All bets are off. There are no rules anymore. That's no the big point anymore. of the tape. That's if the we're rule. wrapping it all up, everything is possible. So I don't need to actually know anything about movies to be able to write this. Yes. It was using Randy instead of being the voice of the fans who are going to see a horror movie about horror movies. It's yeah, it's just the writer making a hand-waving excuse saying, no, the expert says it's cool if I just don't turn in my homework tonight. Yeah, agreed. And of course, this happens halfway through the movie, which Sydney is not in the first half of this movie. Right. Like, she's well, in she, literally two, three she scenes. She appears here and there, yeah. but not with any of the other cast. But she's it, in the first half of the movie, and I make I make that point for a reason I'll get to later. Well, it's it's like a continuation of the same problems I had with the, with the number two, where 
she's all she's supposed to be set up as like the protagonist, the final girl, and she really just isn't the main character of these movies. Yeah. It's Gale and arguably Gale and Dewey as a team, mm-hmm. which don't get me wrong. David Arquette and Courtney Cox have really good chemistry together, but mm-hmm. it's just weird because the movie does not want to commit to them being the main characters. Right. So uh, the first, uh, but prior to Sydney showing up, seeing almost apropos of nothing, not nothing, but close, uh, we get Jenny McCarthy death scene, which... Throwaway not, character. Not nearly as cathartic as I wanted. And we had um, the... Uh, she had uh, as uh, she had a resting as if face. Sure. But she has the dialogue about how she's there. She's complaining about her part in Stab 3 Return to Woodsboro because she's only in two scenes and she dies in the second scene. Well, guess what? This is the second scene that she's in and she dies. Yeah. Brick, are you just naming things around the room or are you writing a screenplay? I love Lamp. Mm-hmm. It kind of like in a better movie, uh, in Hot Fuzz, they do have a running gag of every victim predicting their death. Yes, like it's just like little random bits of dialogue that become poignant after the fact. Mm-hmm. It, it it feels like that movie had a second draft. Indeed, and better writers. Yeah, just better writers overall. Just, oof. oof. So yeah, she gets killed. There's there is a okay so she's in the movie studio, and uh, when she's being chased around by Ghostface, and she ends up in a prop in the prop room, and there is a fun gag of her trying to fight back with anything that she can put her hands on, and they all keep turning out to be prop stunt weapons, so they're all made of rubber, they're all bouncing mm-hmm. off of everything. Yeah. That was kind of funny. It was kind of funny, but it was it was clumsy that like. It wasn't as obvious that's the gag they were going for at first. Mm -hmm. And it's like the table of knives gets knocked over, and then that's all that's done with that. And she picks up like a billy club and tries to hit him with that. Yeah. I think if. Well, she picks up one of the knives and it just immediately starts. Turns it, yeah, turns it to jello. I feel like if this movie had been smarter. The rule of threes. Right. Well, um, even more, like, go all out. Like, she shoves that table into the killer. He drops the knife, and there's knives all over the floor. And they both keep picking up knives and trying to stab each other, and they keep not working until he gets the right one and actually stabs her. But, like, you do stab, 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 stab back and forth until there's a real one. That would be a fun scene. That that, would have been a better gag. Yeah. Instead, it turns into a, oh, did you notice it joke? Mm Mm-hmm. Then uh, we get a lot of business with Patrick Warburton as the bodyguard, and he keeps... So, Dewey is going out with Parker Posey. Or, at the very least, he's heavenly applied that she's using him for something. And um, Patrick Warburton is her personal bodyguard, and every time Patrick Warburton wants to condescend to Dewey, he goes, Dewdrop. And And then mentions the people that died under Dewey's watch, including his sister. Yeah. Although that was, I think, the killer fucking with him at that point. That was the killer fucking with him at that point. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. He says it to the killer. He thinks it's, he thinks he's talking to Dewey. Yeah. But he still does say, like, you know, even your sister died. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, like, he's a dick. Yeah, he is. But. I mean, it's Patrick Warburton. Yeah. He's good. Nine times out of ten, he's playing a dick. He's the dick or the tick. (sighs) <sighs> yeah, so good. 
But we get to see um, Matt Kiesler, who's playing Hollywood Dewey, explode, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. We get an explosion. Explosions in yeah. our big Scream 3 movie. Although, God, this set up for it. The power is cut to the whole house. But the fax machine is still working. Yeah. Phone lines will work when the power is cut because it's a different signal. It's a different line. Well, yeah, but the appliance won't work. Exactly. (laughs) So I don't know if Aaron Kruger knows how fax machines work, but the faxes keep coming through um, with extra air quote pages from the script um, saying that the person who will be spared is buffering, 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 and everybody else is outside while the one guy inside trying to read the facts in the dark lights his Zippo to read the line, the person who smells the gas. <laughs> Kabloom. Kabloom. A great gag for anyone who was standing next to him reading that. Everybody inside the house has no idea of what a clever kill that was. No, no, they don't. Yeah. They're, they're too busy falling down the hill, which... I, I love a good fall down the hill. Now, like, Dewey keeps going through a lot of things in this movie that cannot be good for his back. No. Or his legs. This one just Whatever completely is ignores any sort of... They're cartoon characters. Yeah. Which, I, I'm concerned because most of the, the three of them, the three of them seem to make it through a lot of these sequels. Yeah. I don't get this. See, this is a rule of sequels that they never get right. You do have to keep killing the original guys. You have to Nobody lives knock forever. them off. Yeah. Like, Heather Langenkamp comes back for Nightmare Part 3. She gets killed. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Uh, they wrote, or Jamie Lee Curtis didn't want to come back, so they wrote her out uh, of right. number four and everything. And then, but still, when she comes back for Halloween Resurrection, she gets killed. And that was only by absolute spite and contract. Sure, sure. It yeah. doesn't matter. It's just, it's a thing. Yeah. The people coming back, at least, they, you have to, the, nobody can just keep going through it over and over and over again and yeah. surviving. It's insane. Like, it's like the kind of jokes that John McClane makes about how can I be in this exact same situation again. Yeah. Now, Sydney hasn't been, come back yet no, by the time not. the fax machine, and I believe that this explosion is the last actual kill. Yeah. Until the first close to the movie, yeah. close to the end of the movie, yeah. almost everything for the next hour or so runtime is somebody pops in from out of frame, or door opens suddenly, or Sydney has a dream sequence. Yeah, these Sydney dream sequences, they really play it fast and loose with what is the killer fucking with her with uh the voice of Maureen and mm-hmm. what is is Sydney just going completely bug fuck throughout yeah. the whole movie? And I bet somewhere in the treatment handed to Kruger was you can play maybe with the psycho thing of Norman hearing mother. Mm. Yeah. And maybe that's an angle to take on it. Except not used, not explained, not understood. No, because like some like it seemingly the killer calls Sydney, even though it is a major plot point that nobody knows where Sydney is. Nobody has a way to contact her. It's Dewey end up revealing that he does. Right. But it's Dewey. He's not letting the slip or anything like that. But then all of a sudden, with no setup, the killer is calling Sid. Yeah, they never explain it. They don't. They absolutely never get there. And Sid shows up and basically, you know, 
doesn't cause but facilitates the entire rest of the movie and murders. Yeah. Like, if she had not go- come back, no, they probably... He, he probably would have killed everybody. Dragging, dragging yeah, people yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... <sighs> it just, it's weird. Like, well, it was not the smart play yeah. to come back at all. It no. puts her in danger. It literally is running up the stairs when you know you should go down. Yeah, and again... Now that she's okay, now that our main, our purported main character is actually in the movie, we're on the third movie. Mm-hmm. This is the third time she's going through this. She's got no skills. She's, she's not already brave. In the first movie, she explained, "Oh, this is the like those dumb horror movies yeah. where the girl runs up the stairs instead of goes down." She knows the rules and isn't even a fan of the stuff. And she makes every one of those mistakes, including in the giant replica set yep. of her house. The original movie. From the original Scream movie, because Stab used other locations and probably shot somewhere else. Including, like, the details of her bedroom that are just meticulously researched. Uh, down to how her door jams the same way, but that's not used whatsoever. Nope. Um, there's... It's a lot of, hey, look at how much we paid attention to the original. We're not using it for anything. No. What clever ideas. No, no, no. We got those out of the way last time. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been on a set that's like built in a, you know, in a studio space. No, I used to do to theater and Gotcha, but like you know, not like that level. You know that a lot of times they'll make the set so that you have a convenience you don't have on location, like you have removable walls to get the cameras and right, and you can put lighting rigs in. You don't just build the house in the studio without removable walls and ceilings. You build a two floor house. You can't remove the walls and the ceilings on that first floor to shoot inside. They don't though. They, like and actually, it, it is a, a gag in the movie where uh, they they built the hallway, the the, the stairwell for mm-hmm. Sydney's house, and when she go tries to go through one door, there's nothing on the other side. There's nothing on the other side. side. But there are chunks of that house that are not functional as a practical set. Uh, no, but I'm just saying. I'm yeah. they yeah again attention to like this is supposed to be about. Oh, but life and the movies are so different and not understanding basic functions of either. Like, you ever see Blowout, Mm -hmm. the John Travolta movie? See, that's a movie about using film as a metaphor for figuring out, or as a device, using filmmaking as a device to solve a crime (laughs) or to fight against a killer sort of thing. Right. Like, Like, this movie, like, the whole thing... That it kept running up against through that this whole movie is that this was all every single gag in this movie was done better in New Nightmare. Like that is the move. Yeah. That is yeah. the distinction between real life and like all the stuff on the sets. It was just like the whole. Is there a distinction between? There is no distinction between my life and this movie, and everything just kind of keeps feeding each other and confusing everything. Yeah. Like wait. Do I care about this as Heather or do I care about this as Nancy? And everything's blending together. That was the better version of this story. 100%. And now we're doing this weak-ass shit for our conclusory Scream movie. Yeah. If they had just never made another Scream, then that movie would just be this 
monolithic epitome of a great slasher movie gag. Yeah. Well, if Craven and Williamson hadn't come back for two, somebody else would have... We would have gotten a three much earlier, and they would have been completely straight to video from there on out. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh. So, um, now rolling back a little bit, because we've talked about how We're little, jumping around. We're jumping around. Yeah. But how little Sydney is in the movie, especially the first half. Mm. Um, we meet the producer, Lance Henriksen, whose character's name is John Milton. Yep. Uh, author of Paradise Lost. Thank you. And I'm sure that was meant to be a joke in there somewhere of like, oh, that is, you know, the levels of hell in Hollywood or the bargains, you know, you mm-hmm. make or the, I don't know. They don't do anything with it. Yeah, it was, I no. didn't bring it up because it's not, it's pointless. Yeah, it was, again, See, it was I also bet somebody better. thought they were clever and I want to point out, dude, Fair. put some work in. Or, or at the very least, they saw The Devil's Advocate. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that was Al Pacino's name in that one. And that was a fun but nod. I, I, because I'd like to agree with you, but I don't think this movie's seen any other movies because oh, they no, don't probably, probably not. Work. Yeah, no, probably not. Yeah. Just, just saying, we could have watched The Devil's Advocate. That's fine. <laughs> but um, he is in one or two scenes in the first half yeah. as is the director of the film Stab 3 Scott uh, Foley Scott Foley as Roman I Bridger Roman Bridger yeah um, I don't know what the gag is on Bridger but mm. Roman um, I feel like is supposed to be a riff on the Romans borrowed a lot of their gods from the Greeks and we had the whole Greek god things in the second one and this may be giving them too much credit. You're the one that just literally said they haven't even seen The Devil's Advocate. Right. But I think that... I think the, <laughs> but they, they know, they I think know he Greek went, and Roman mythology. I think he went to high school and has echoes of knowledge in the back of his head. And he's like, uh-huh. oh, that's clever. We don't have the internet yet. That's clever enough. Yeah, that's fair. So, uh, but Roman... Uh, or Roman, maybe it's a Roman, Roman Coppola joke. Roman Bridger. I kept waiting for it to be like some sort of anagram or something. Yeah. No. no, that's the name he grew up on because he is a known director in Hollywood enough that like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's in basically two scenes in the first half of the movie that is completely absent from the movie until an argument at... John Milton's uh, office again, yeah. where he leaves at the beginning of the scene. Well, he was suspected. Like the the police cart him away. Uh, uh, Detective McDreamy's uh, partner, played by Josh Pace, of a zillion and one indie films, but I will always know him as Raphael in the original Ninja Turtles movie mm-hmm. because I love that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, he gets carted off as a suspect because he was the la- he. They knew he called. Uh, Jenny McCarthy. Right. Yeah. So remember in Scream 1 when Billy gets carted off and then there's the whole Izzy isn't he and he's in the whole movie and there's always this shadow of doubt over him? Yeah. Let's not risk that again. Let's just leave him out of the... Let's just leave our killer out of the movie until basically the final act, open the final act with him being air quote discovered dead at the beginning of it. And so... And then when he shows up... They don't give you the chance to know that it's him. They literally they they hide the killer from you well, almost the entire fucking movie. He was the last one to talk to Jenny McCarthy. 
Right. But no, I, I'll get. I'll, I'll give you uh, two things can be true at the same time. Uh, that oh man, I lost the point I was going to make. Oh, and he is the only killer. There is only one killer. Yeah, in there's this, only one killer, and he's in very little. Of <laughs> yeah, the movie. okay, that's what it is. Uh, one bad filmmaking. You're absolutely right in not having him be more of a presence in mm-hmm. the film. You know, which is completely different from Scream Two. Uh, but also, they were in the background at least. They were in the they background. Were they were in the, there. They, were they even the specifically drop red herrings to the characters. I know. They yeah. But they were egging thing. on that. Fair. All right. Uh, but since it's Scott Foley, I, I I'm okay with him with there being less Scott Foley in the movie because <laughs> eh, who cares? If you're putting a Foley in your movie, it's Dave or nothing. Uh, or Axel, Dave or Axel. Fair. Or I'm sorry, Axel. <laughs> however, Bronson Pinchot. Serge. Yeah, however, yeah. Serge Serge was pronouncing it. <laughs> There's a trilogy. Although they're supposed to be ma- supposedly making a fourth right now. Yeah. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 4. Or it was either another movie or they were doing a, t- sh- a TV show Some, at one point. Like, like something. There's something is in the hopper for... It's gone back Cop. and forth over the yeah. years. But yeah. yeah. Oof. Beverly Hills Cop 3 was not great. No, it was not. I need to give number two another try because... Like, it's not as good as the first one because... The Beverly's Cop is one of those great, this is an idea and everything is working and it's just great. Yeah. And then they made a second one, which is just a dumb action movie. And so I, did, I didn't really give it as enough of a try. But having realized that, oh, there are dumb action movies and then there are Tony Scott movies. Right. I need to give it's it another It's a beautiful try. dumb action movie. It's a beautiful dumb action movie. But it is dumb. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I know it's going to be dumb, yeah. but... Is the beautiful enough, yeah. you know, which a lot of the times, like, Days of Thunder is watchable, even mm-hmm. though it is the stupidest fucking movie. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. But it's super pretty. It's super pretty. Yeah. Um, Beverly Hills Cop 3 is Eddie Murphy and John Landis mm-hmm. sidestepping doing comedy for a large part of the Well, this process. is, like, the tragedy of Eddie Murphy's career. And it's not, dis- it's, like, in the same ballpark as what went wrong with Chevy Chase, but it's slightly different, was that after, like, coming to America, Eddie Murphy correctly uh, assessed that he was the funniest human being on the planet Earth. He was. Now he wanted to focus on being cool. Yeah. And, like, starting with Boomerang, and then every movie after that, including Metro, Beverly Hills Cop 3, Vampire in Brooklyn... He is he is prioritizing. I have to look cool on screen. Uh, Harlem Nights definitely was a huge part of that. Yeah, no, yeah. Th- like you watch Harlem Nights. Uh, like when I finally watched it, I got about like half hour forty five minutes into it when I realized there's Eddie Murphy, there's Richard Pryor, and there's Red Fox. None of them are doing comedy in this movie. They're yeah. just playing a straight gangster movie. Which don't get me wrong, I would love to see a straight. A gangster movie from the black perspective in anything with actual actors. Not right. And comedians. without, because Murphy directed that too. Did he really? I think so. Ooh, I could be wrong. I don't think he but, directed it. But, um, but no, that one, it was, I would have loved to have seen that from somebody else. I would have seen like, 
Like Byron Van Peebles direct that. Like Byron to like Van a di- like a good. time period, like you yeah. know, like a New Jack City, but roll, you know, like, yeah, you know, totally. But yeah, this All was right. checking in with Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Whereas Chevy Chase, it's not that he didn't want to be funny. It's just that he was he was the most important person on the planet Earth, mm-hmm. and want like the I'm Chevy Chase and you're not became his his like, yeah. Resident there was a part intro. of him that always and still does believe that. It's sad. Yeah, but anyway. So yeah, right. nothing like after Sydney shows up, like nothing happens for like another half hour. Yeah, it's all false scares. It's Ugh. just fake gag after fake gag after fake gag, looping dialogue where somebody's like, "What do you mean by that?" Well, let me repeat it in a different way. Mm. Uh, there's uh, another thing I noted of bad habits in this script is somebody will make a legitimate good point about. Well, how did the father get the phone number or something like that? And somebody will respond with a platitude that's apropos of nothing. Yeah. Like, how did the father get the phone number? You let me handle the case, buddy. Or, well, that's not the point. Or, like, any time somebody is very close to advancing the plot or being smart as a character, somebody will step in and basically swat the script out of their hand and say, we got to be dumb, guys. Yes, but there are a couple instances where it almost betrays a good script because a lot of those moments are Patrick Dempsey, and that does kind of lay uh, like work with him being a legit suspect. Yes, and if it was mainly him, oh yeah, yeah, he, no, he definitely does it. A but couple instances, not so enough. many You're characters right. do it that it takes yeah. away from it being. No, a I choice. agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's no sense of voice in this movie. Like, again, in the other two, you could tell who was the killer at what point because of the way they phrased questions, the way they did things. There was character to it. Nobody in this movie has character. They have a signed stance or a signed need, mm-hmm. but nobody has a way of saying things. Nobody has, unless the actor puts that stamp on themselves. Well, that, unfortunately, that is... They're, like, the in-story reason for that is because of the voice changer gag. Because he's not going to be... The killer is not going to be betraying who he is because he... You're literally hearing uh, Dewey's voice. You know what I mean? Right. But I'm saying not... No, I know what you're saying, but it's, it, when wouldn't, it's, it when wouldn't it's, work. When it's yeah. air quotes Sydney on the phone telling them to go to the producer's house, yeah. everything she says sounds like something Sydney would never actually say. Agreed. And nobody questions that because nobody recognizes the personality of a person they know or like something's wrong there. Sydney would not tell us, no, we're fine. I'm going with this person I just met. She's in a situation. She's under duress. Like, are you, you know, the whole Gail does, but they, she ends up deferring. But yeah, no, it, I, I agree more than not. But mm-hmm. it could, because of the voice changer gag, it's not as much of a thing. I just, for me, even outside of that gag, I felt like nobody had any actual personality. When uh, Gail and uh, Dewey are arguing at the cafe about their relationship, mm-hmm. in the middle of it, I pointed out, I'm like, I can't tell if she wants to get back together or not, because she's just saying lines that are a part of this kind of a conversation. Yeah. But she's taking both sides in the middle of it, because they're both just saying things they belong in this kind of conversation in no particular order. There's no personality to it. There's no motivation behind it. It's just 
dialogue. In her defense, anybody that's in a relationship with Dewey does have to play both parts. Oh my. (laughs) I I missed Scream 2 Dewey in this movie. This was a giant step backwards for Dewey, even though David Arquette... David Arquette seems to understand the quality of a movie, no matter what the movie he's in. So he knew that this was a shit movie, clearly. And so he's he's, still ready to rumble. He's playing... I I see what you did there. Uh, He's playing Dewey stupider. Like, it's like the second movie, Dewey was a little bit more weathered and more uh, seasoned. Uh. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And uh, so that's him in that one. This one is more doofus again. Yeah. Uh, And so then we get to the big party scene at the end, which is not a party. Like, so the movie got... Tur- like turned off like they, they shut it down because of the murders yeah. yeah and so they're having a birthday party for director Roman Bridger at John Milton's house and but seemingly it's only our main characters because yeah like outside of the studio shots we don't really have any extras yeah none of these people have anybody else in their lives whatsoever no which well, the, dad, the dad shows back up which is kind the dad of shows up for a scene mm-hmm. to basically say how long have we been father and daughter right <laughs> like good to finally meet your character um you're just telling your daughter that she probably needs to go back out into the world 20 minutes before she does it because of the hostage situation or whatnot. Something. Yeah. It's a scene that didn't need to happen except for, oh, that's what her father looks like. You would think there would be more exposition in the blatantly expository scene. You would think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. No. It's just kind of doggy paddling around the exposition without, you know, finding a buoy to cling to. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate this movie. Yeah. So we get to the, we get to the third act or, the finale. Yeah. And everybody's at this at Lance Henriksen's amazing mansion with uh, secret passageways and, mm. you know, soundproof fuck rooms with cameras and one mm. way and two way mirrors and such. Uh, and they immediately split up to just go look around the house, even though, you know, there's a murderer on the loose yeah. that has murdered be, at least two of them. And it could be. Anyone, I guess, still? They're really trying hard to make all 80 pounds of Emily Mortimer seem like she might be the killer. Not a chance in hell. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. Oh, hey, I actually just spotted a note. I think it was from an earlier scene when they go to uh, front John Milton in his office. (laughs) And it turns out that Sidney's mother had done these movies for his production company back yeah. in back in the day mm-hmm. and was a part of some of these parties and there was one in particular that was particularly nasty yeah. and Milton says what you're acting like that makes me a suspect and, it does <laughs> and they say no 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 that's not what we're saying but like no literally you did does. just come here to do that yeah. that is what you're doing and he called you on it, and you're saying no? Yeah. Like... It's a bad screenplay. It's a bad screenplay. It is just a bad yeah. screenplay. So he's missing from his house. Yes. 
But they're going on with the party anyway. Yeah. And we know when Lance Henriksen invites you to a party at an abandoned house in the middle Ooh, of nowhere, you're going you want to keep eyes the, on him. You're going to end up in the ground. Mm-hmm. Go back and listen to Hell World. It's a pretty great... Man, how much better is Hell World mm-hmm. than this fucking movie? How many franchises has he not been in? Not been in? Well, that's probably a lot. But, I mean, we've got him in Alien, Predator, Terminator... Mm. Scream. Has he been in an actual Predator movie or just the AVP movies? Um, I guess just AVP, but still. I mean, for our then, purposes, we yeah. can count it. But yeah. I'm just, you know, saying. Uh, uh, Pumpkinhead. Mm. Anyway, that's a yeah, no, another day so. question, kind of. I'd yeah. rather think about that than this movie. Yeah. We'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah. Um, well, here's a funnier one. How many, like, I couldn't find a third to make this work, but uh, movies where Lance Henriksen was supposed to be the monster, but then they went a different way. Oh. He was the original choice for the Terminator. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, but uh, Arnie convinced uh, Cameron, and Cameron was not wrong. Oh, no. But, and Lance still gets a pretty meaty, uh, pretty great role yeah. in, in uh, Terminator 1. But plus the loyalty of Cameron, which is it doesn't hurt. Good. It doesn't hurt. Uh, and this is gonna make like make a lot of sense when you hear it. He was originally supposed to be the creeper in Jeepers Creepers. Interesting. And they wanted a bigger guy, and they wanted to do makeup and everything. But if you really look at the design of the creeper, yeah, it looks like just freaked out weirdo mutant mm-hmm. Lance Henriksen. Am I wrong? I believe I've heard that he was one of the contenders for Freddy Krueger. Ooh. Okay. Uh, that'd be worth looking into. I'm not stating any sort of facts, but I've, I've, I feel like I've oh, wait, heard that wait, at some wait. point. Oh, we can do it now because of that research that we did for Hellraiser. He was supposed to be Frank. Or he was in the running for Frank. And that's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so it's Terminator, Cheever Screepers, and Hellraiser. Oof. Where he's in the franchise, but just not as the original villain. Well, was he in Jeepers Creepers? He's not in Jeepers Creepers, but I'm just saying, like, but he was supposed to be a monster. But that is uh, at least two franchises where he's yeah. in the franchise Later. as somebody else after not being the main guy. Yeah, I wonder I wonder if he, does, if he pops up. They made another one, which I was looking at the box of. I think we're allowed to watch it because uh, the Victor Salva guy is not involved. But if he gets any sort of commission from it, um, no. That's a good point. I have trouble liking those two movies. I also have trouble liking Powder. And all, mainly, then just, but also because Powder just, is not great. But also, you can just walk away. I could just walk away. Yeah. Well, I already own the G for Screepers movies. Gotcha, gotcha. And I'm... Um, I think I actually tossed mine. I'm probably watching them after this. Because um, it's I can't, October. I can't. I can't. I, mean, I, I don't can't disagree. Mind. Yeah. But also. No. I have all these Kevin Spacey movies. <laughs> I'm, the only one I'm even remotely tempted to go back and watch ever again is The Ref. Because everybody else is so good in it anyway. The Ref is almost a good movie. I think it never really figures out its tone. Which is makes it interesting, mm-hmm. and everybody in the movie, including Dennis Leary, is good in that movie. Yeah, Dennis Leary's not a good actor. No, but I think that's one of his best roles. It's, I think that's one of the best uses of him. This was a good use of him. Yeah, 
as was like uh you ever see Suicide? Or no, we talked about Suicide Kingston. He's he's you pretty know, good in that. We keep putting this off. Let's just get through this. There's not like it, it's a whole not lot of left. nothing. It's like an Oreo without the cream in the center. Mm, it's which is, Oreo, not a stuff. Not not stuff. No stuff. Yeah, because they split up. Uh, Roman is killed. Like they go, like Roman or Scott Foley and Parker Posey go into the basement looking for the fucker. Well, he goes the down around. there and makes a noise. She comes down and disappears, yeah. and then later, she's been hiding somewhere because it's Gale. jump scare one. Gail opens the coffin and finds him Dead. supposedly stabbed to death. I mean, either you want to say reveal that it's him, or you don't right now, right? <laughs> Well, I mean, we. I no, think I'm already... saying you don't because it's like I said he's dead, and then you go, he's seemingly dead. So just say well, that it's him. No, he's I mean, the killer. Him. He's the killer. I, I, I don't. I think I was <laughs> being open about that earlier, um, but he's been holding that pose in that coffin for Gale to find him, mm-hmm. and then Parker Posey jumps out of the curtain. And, oh, my God, I'm so scared. Mm. She's been hiding about three feet from where he's set up for the other jump scare. So what is she doing and how did she find him? And, like, did she not make a noise? And the logic of what she had done in between scenes makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. She's just hiding until somebody else finds the body so she can jump out and be scared, too. Mm. It makes my head hurt. Yeah. Uh, Emily Mortimer and Tyson. I don't. Do we know the actor that's playing Tyson? I don't know offhand. Not familiar, like looked familiar, but it was like he. It wasn't Daryl Hammond, but he looked no. Daryl Chill Mitchell. Daryl Chill Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but it was like the same sort of idea. Uh, let me see here, Tyson, the voice. Dion Richmond. Not familiar. No. Yeah. While you're uh, checking on that, um, one of the other things just with the people popping out of weird places, the killer popping up or disappearing to weird places, and Scott Foley being in that coffin, and the killer being upstairs very quickly thereafter that scene... The geography and the Nightcrawler-esque bamfing from room to room that the killer does. If there are two killers, it works. Mm-hmm. They've set it up. The choreography and the blocking of where the killers are in the other films generally seems to be considered. Yes. And this one, just teleporter. Well, no, they're the secret passages. They're the secret passages. They don't account for some of the speed. Of. They kind of, and in that house, but it's in other locations as well. Right. It's consistently, Sydney is upstairs in the one house, and he's downstairs and back and forth. There are a lot of places where she'll slam the door in his face, get upstairs, and he's popping out of a closet. Yeah. Or stuff like that. It's He is superhumanly agile and or teleporting. That's what Randy warned about. It's the third movie. He's going to be superhuman. Oh, just like the killer... Um, no matter how many times you shoot him, and they shoot him a lot in this movie. They shoot him a lot in this movie. Because he's wearing a bulletproof vest. He is wearing a bulletproof vest. And after the first time that he's clearly shot and scrambles off, your average audience member might consider, well, it wasn't a headshot. Yeah. They just shot him in the chest, so he's probably something, something, something. 
But they do that multiple times. I mean, I assume for the professor. Right. Then he, in the final confrontation, shoots Sydney twice in the chest. Mm. She reveals a bulletproof chest. Vest. <laughs> well, I mean, it protects that, you know, but like, <laughs> no, she's just working out. Um, then Dewey shoots him five times in the chest. The bulletproof chest. Well, he shoots him in the chest, which is blocked by the bulletproof vest. And that was when I literally started. Say it again? Said I said it in two words, bulletproof chest. I'm trying to make a catch on it seems Yeah. Because you did it with a woman example the first time, I'm kind of like... You know what I hear that? I hear that? I, I, okay. I'm kind of okay, leery no. about it. Gotcha. So. No, I understand. If I you understand. would do it with uh, Scott Foley first, then... I, I'm like, no, okay. no, I, yeah, I, I, I hear the note. That was why I was pointing to saying, her bulletproof vest. <laughs> but I, I, I understand the, I understand yeah. the concern. That's, uh, that's, that's but concern. yeah, after like the fifth or sixth time, Dewey shot him in the chest, which was... After the previous five or six times, Sydney yeah. shot him in the, in the chest. It was five, I counted, because I was wondering, are they going to do the bullets run out thing or not? Fair. And it was five, but he still had run out, yeah. Which is crazy for an automatic. But uh, that was when I literally yelled at the top of my lungs, Stop shooting him in the chest! Mm-hmm. Fuck! Just stop! Or yeah. the bulletproof vest. Yeah, because, whichever. you know, in the, in the first and the second <laughs> movie, they shot him in the forehead. Yeah, this is a thing. already been done. We know this. We've we know covered this. this. Fans of the, if you're watching the third movie in this series, you understand this core concept. Yeah, but the writer had not watched the first two movies, so did not understand this core concept. More than likely not. Yeah. Also, uh, does Kevlar set off a metal detector? Not necessarily. Well, one, we don't know what it, what's in it. Uh, what type of bulletproof vest it is. If it's ceramic, then no. There okay. are some types, some gotcha. versions that have ceramic plates instead yeah. of metal or Kevlar. Yeah. Um, if, but yeah. I will say that was covered by her wearing uh, Derek's the, necklace the, from the first film. The OBKB necklace. Yeah, OBKB. <laughs> um, when, she sh- when Sydney shows up to the party outside, uh, she's basically told... There is a metal detector. Wand yourself. Wand yourself. All and over. When she wands up slow. near her neck, uh, it goes over the necklace and buzzes. So That's that could good. have been for yeah. bulletproof vest. Yeah, that works. She also wands down by her leg, where we had seen her take a gun from the police station. Mm-hmm. And she placed that gun over top of the other gun she had on the same ankle. So when she wanded that gun, it set it off. And that's the one she tossed in the pool. But she still had her other gun because she somehow knew that she was going to need to go through a metal detector scenario with a wand when she got... The pl- the two guns is not weird. The You're right, though, about the placement of the one over the top of the other. Right. Like, if you're being patted down, that's the worst option he could have done. Yeah. She just happened to have planned for the exact scenario that it came up. Well, this is not her first time at the rodeo. It's everyone's first time at that specific rodeo. I'm just reminded of that great moment in Airplane where Robert Stack shows up at the airport and rips off one pair of sunglasses <laughs> to reveal the other another <laughs> pair of sunglasses underneath. <laughs> Because Robert Stack was that cool. Yeah. 
<laughs> hell, with airplane. It's like, do you want to put the one gun on top of the other? No, that's just what they'd be expecting us to do. Exactly. Like, so in the middle of all this, Tyson gets thrown off of the, you know, is it the second or third story window? Because if it's the first, if it's the second floor... It's not really specified. He really shouldn't have been killed. Like, I mean... I mean, unless he landed on his head. But, I mean, he should be... He's broken a lot of things. But, like, if it was... But he's just... I kept waiting for him to get up. The geography of the house was never established. I don't think it's three-story. I don't think it was. Not in L.A. Yeah, exactly. So, he's thrown from a ten-floor... Onto brick. Don't get me wrong. Right. and there are Broken ways to hit things. that wrong. There are ways to hit it wrong. But you don't even see the impact. Like, you see him get pushed out. And you just and hear... Then you see, and you, you see later that he's on the ground. I kept waiting for him to be something. Yeah, especially because, again, in this franchise, people from have fallen from much higher into less forgive. Well, Brick is pretty unforgiving. Yeah. But, like, but still. people have fallen from higher. It yeah. took, like, what, three three or four stories to kill Buffy in part two. Yeah. That was, like, at least, like that was the attic on a three-story building. So, right. Yeah. So, um, like, that was a confirmed not so good on the other side. Yeah, no, drop. you're going to die. You're yeah. going to die from that. And uh, Emily Mortimer gets stabbed, and then... We see her dead body. Her eyes are open, and it just made, it looked very silly for some yeah. reason. Like the way she was just staring up. Like, but she does have like a great. I line. guess that's a wrap. Yeah, yeah. She does have like a great line about not wanting to be killed with you, D- B-lister stars and everything. Because the gag of her character is that there was like just an open call for the replacement of Sydney in the stab films because Tori Spelling. Didn't want to come back, and there's some sort of veiled reference to Jennifer Aniston, which there were at least three friend-centric jokes in the yeah. movie. Because there's a musty TV joke. Oh, four then. Oh, yeah. all right. Because like I had they they have one joke about Schwimmer, and then another one that's a Courtney Cox-centered one, and then there's the Jennifer Aniston yeah. one, and not a single joke about Misfits of Science in the entire franchise. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I love that show. But why sully it? That's true. Fair enough. Yeah. So it'd be its own special place in time. So it's at this point that McDreamy, Detective McDreamy, shows up to be the red herring for another minute. Uh, but he gets attacked by Ghostface, and now finally we're down to our white main characters. Because oh wait, when did wait Parker? How did Parker Posey die? Uh, behind the mirrors. Right. She yeah, was banging yeah. on the mirror, so they were hitting all of the ones she wasn't behind yeah. until finally the advent calendar opens to the dead chocolate. Yeah. I didn't have a good closer. This is raspberry. Yeah. The cream yeah, filled. The, the, the strawberry filled chocolate. Yeah. But now we're just down to these characters. Oh, wait. No, we were down to those characters before Sydney even showed up. Because it was like Dewey Sydney's and Gale. there at the tail end. Yeah, it's just the, the two of them yeah. left. Yeah. Let's like, wipe out anybody new that we mm-hmm. just don't feel like asking back. And then Gail and Dewey were tied up, and that's when the Sydney gets the call to come because we have to just drag this movie out a little bit longer. She shows up, does the wand thing, yada, yada, yada. And then eventually we get the big 
revealed that it's Scott uh, Foley. Because he, the killer comes out and chases her. Mm-hmm. And in this giant, elaborate mansion full of secret passages and tunnels and hideaways, she happens to pull the right book off the right bookshelf to open the exact secret lair where he has a running video already set up. She just happened to pick that room out of the entire mansion. Yeah. She does pull every single book first. Right, but she I went to that it. shelf to get yeah. into that secret room of well, maybe they all, all the ones. Maybe they all lead into the room. It's just... Maybe. Maybe it. it's like the Dude, grotto. I don't know. I can't poop on this movie more. Like, like we gotta finish this. It's just, right, everything right. about... I said everything about this movie is bad. It's just, it's bad this writing, is, it's bad plotting, it's bad acting, it's bad everything. This is the Let's one just I, finish it! This is the one I'm angry at. Let me get my anger out. I'm going to be oh, on the defense fuck. for the rest of the series. There's arguably. Three, there's three more of these. Dear God. Why are there three more of these? What, what ground is there left to trod on this premise? Well, New York and one of them. I fuck's sake. <laughs> Probably not even one Jason Takes Manhattan joke. What about the Muppets? They took Manhattan. Yeah, but they're not a horror movie, are they? They're a no, monster that's movie. True. That's true. They do have a lot of monsters, Sweetums especially. So it turns out that Scott Foley, Roman Bridger, is the illegitimate child of Maureen Prescott, Sidney Prescott's whore mother. And he tried to reunite with her before the events of the first film and she said I don't want to acknowledge that part of my life anymore because you know I've already got enough things going on with my reputation without an illegitimate yeah, child showing up I'm in the middle up. of something like a couple of guys yeah like at least three guys and um right cause she was hooking up she, there's her the Sydney's dad Cotton Weary and then Billy Loomis's dad right yeah so Right. So, Scott, Roman Bridger immediately decides to have her murdered and create the entire Scream franchise. And so she, he hooks up with Billy Loomis and convinces him to do all these things. And ha! Ah. Yeah, convinces him to find a partner to be a patsy, not recognizing that you yourself will become a patsy by doing so. Yeah. Um, orchestrates all of it because I mean, he is a director. Billy, Billy, Billy Loomis is not... You know, a, a genius. <laughs> not, not terribly. But he's a director. Yeah, he is a director. He is the orchestrator, except when he has to strike out on his own, do all of the murders by himself, not bring in a partner, which is a clever idea that he's so proud of. He doesn't do it for himself. No. Because why bother with consistency? And also he um, had to murder all the people because... Because uh, they were making a movie, the Stab movies, which was offensive to him. Yeah. Also. Even though he gets to cash in on them. Also, uh, Sydney, as she's throwing vases at him and letting him do the normal killer gets stumbly, killer gets stumbly. She says several times, take responsibility for your actions. Don't blame the movies. Don't blame the this. Take responsibility for yourself. Movies do not create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Yeah. Well, he doesn't get more creative from any movies, but he also doesn't take any responsibility. And it's a weird statement 
at the end of a movie that has worked so hard from the beginning, shaming the mother, shaming the mother, shaming the mother. Mm-hmm. The movie victim blames for two hours. Yeah. And then says, oh, but you, the killer, are actually the problem. Like, yeah, maybe pick a lane and maybe pick the one that's not victim blaming. All of that. Side note. Director who hates his material but still cashes in. Is Wes Craven confessing something? That is true. That is true. And then they fight again. Scott fully shoots her. Shoots Sid, but then it turns out she had a bulletproof vest as well. Uh, I mean, it's all—it's almost like Princess Bride level silliness. It's just like yeah. I'm also not left-handed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Dewey comes in to kind of sort of save the day. Everybody's dead. Uh, the bad guy is dead, and now we're back at Sydney's place in East Bumblefuck, uh, and we're all getting ready to watch a movie together. Dewey proposes to Gale. Patrick Dempsey is along for the ride for some reason. Well, here's a familiar character that survived. I guess he's the romantic interest for Sydney. Let's ride off into the sunset. Yeah. And uh, with a different Hans Zimmer score. With of, a different uh, Hans Zimmer score. Well, no, I was going to make a true romance joke. Mm. True romance ends with a Zimmer for, score from Badlands. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're so cool. Morning. No, that's the name of the track. Uh, from anyway, um, and just since you know Hans Zimmer's score was borrowed from. Yeah, from no, yeah, I, I was I was shocked when like I, I heard about the comparison, so I was like, "Well, what's the music of Badlands?" I oh shit, Hans, baby, what yeah. is what? Why are you doing this? But Truman's soundtrack is still pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then now. Sydney no longer locks up her gate and she doesn't turn on her alarm and she's ready to move on with her life. Because she hasn't read Gerald's game. Because this was the arc of the movie, I guess, for, yeah. you know, at least the second half. Like, the whole first half, which is arguably more entertaining than the second the, mm-hmm. the second half, is superfluous to the movie. Yeah. She, so her, Other than Parker Posey. Yeah. Her closure is... This killer is now dead, so there are no bad people left in the world. I can leave my gate open, my back door open, mm-hmm. all of the alarms off. Fuck it. Yep. That's how that's how uh, trauma works. And or I have my I'm surrounding myself with people that make me feel safe now instead of closing myself off. Maybe. I guess maybe. I know it was meant to be more symbolic, but it just reads as stupid. Yeah, no, this is a terrible movie. This is this was really bad. Like, I don't like Scream Two, but that this is the that was at least a movie that was just poor, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. This is just bad. This is this is boring. This was long stretches of nothing happening. None of the characters are interesting. Yeah. I, I even continue. the things that happen don't actually matter for the most part. Yeah, I continue to not understand the appeal of Sidney Prescott as a character. I feel like the protagonists of the movie are Gale and Dewey, but mm-hmm. the movie doesn't want to admit that to themselves uh, in the second and the third one. I, I think that's a consistent in the franchise is that Sidney was introduced as the lead in the first one, but there's not as many places to take her. 
Which is why you don't keep using the same main character over mm-hmm. and over again. Like, even if Heather Langham or Laurie's, even if Nancy and Nightmare or Laurie Strode never came back, you find new people. You The same sort of thing happens, but to other people. All the Friday the 13th movies. Uh, there are many as many Friday the 13th movies where the final girl gets away and you never see them see them again because yeah. they, well, why would you come back? back? Why would you come back to any of this? Like Tommy Jarvis is an outlier in those movies mm-hmm. as a returning protagonist. closure. Yeah, and also a you know bat to the head because every death after number six is all solely his fault. Yeah. And I haven't watched, uh, as of this recording, the Never Walk Alone There's sequel went up oh, this did. past week. Uh, fr- we're recording this uh, just after Friday the 13th in October. Yeah. Um, we record in advance in case anything happens, like an entire episode vanishes. It's a... Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. We, we, none of this is ever going out live, unlike no, other podcasts, which are going out live. Yeah. We're not doing topical humor, so... No. But yeah, uh, uh, never I, walk alone. Never hike. Alone. Never hike alone. Yeah. Too uh, apparently just went up this past weekend. I'll have to check that out. And I haven't seen a lot of comments yet, but the ones I've seen seem very positive. So Good. yeah, uh, I, I like the first one a lot. Yeah, it's uh, two feature length films that are basically fan films with the guy who played Tommy in Part Six. Oh, spoilers. I, I mean, they kind of wear it on the sleeve, especially with the second one. Well, the second one. The first one, I didn't know, and my buddy managed to get it set up for me to watch without me knowing. And so when he pops up, it was Uh, really a delight. So I guess skip ahead this bit if you haven't seen it yet. Skip ahead? I don't know. We were talking about time travel earlier. Does that work that way? It's fine. I am very concerned about 4, 5, and 6. We'll find out. I'm very concerned. We have we Which, have because you like them the I four do. five and six. We have gotten through Amityville's. Yeah, well, yeah. Again, I'm concerned because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Since I have already hurt your feelings uh, today on our Transformers talks, See, which I apologize. What's fun is that. Well, let me ask you: What do you think hurt my feelings about that? What do you think hurt? My I knew feelings? I didn't like it that day. Uh huh. If I didn't say it in front of you, it was either because you were doing something else or because I didn't want to kill your buzz. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you feel like I had hit it from you, and I can hear that. I totally think you hit it from me. We we hung out for like a half hour, 45 minutes after the movie. I might not have wanted to talk <laughs> trash. I mean, I know when we talk trash, a lot of times we get two hours out of it or... I, I just... Yeah, so. It's fine. I, I just... It was not my intent, and I, I just apologize. Wanted to, I just want to make sure that you understand. I'm not offended because you didn't like a Transformer movie. I'm, uh, I'm offended because... Why didn't you just say something, dude? I don't know. I don't remember the afternoon. I That's why I was surprised when you thought I liked it. Yeah. It's because I didn't think I had hit it. Interesting. It wasn't right. a conscious deception. Uh-huh. It just, I might have already been moved on from the movie. I don't know. Uh-huh. Or it might have been, don't make me say anything nice about Pete Davidson because I'm not gonna. That's fine. I make fun of him too. It, mm. it it annoys me that he's good in that movie because he's Pete Davidson. 
Yeah. Like my dad and I were talking about, he hosted Saturday Night Live last night, and he made a good point about the uh, Israel-Gaza situation right now. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I hate that he made a good point about it, because it's fucking Pete Davidson. He probably had a writer give it to him, but... I mean, I don't disagree. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That's how it came out. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. He'll be attributed to it. Well, he said it. Right, I'm saying. Well, this is like... like, like, I hated this movie. I hated every That's single minute good. of this movie. But we have recorded this one early enough in the day that there is plenty of other stuff to I watch. I wash it out. All right. Yeah. Don't wash it out with any Jeepers Creepers, though. I'm probably watching Jeepers Creepers. Uh, it's a good movie. Can't, can't Chinatown? We're just kind of hovering in the same uh, neighborhood, aren't well, we? This, well, no, I'm just curious. Chinatown. I don't go back to Polanski anymore. Okay. I don't fair, do fair, it. fair. Yeah. I appreciate the internal consistency. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong at all. It's, it's, I, I'm a scumbag. Yeah. No, it's I, honestly with me, it's not just that, yeah, it's what they did and their, their punishment therefore. I cannot, like when I'm watching stuff, I try and think about what the creator is thinking making it. Mm-hmm. I do it a lot on this podcast. I do it all the time when I watch David Lynch stuff. And knowing that the person is that kind of person, I don't want to spend time in their headspace. Mm. And even something that's regarded as a classic, uh, something that I might have even enjoyed in the past, I don't want to be like, I don't know, I don't want to spend time in that muck. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I tend to be much more, I'm looking at the art for the, like, just the four corners of the piece of art. Yeah. Uh, uh, our uh, artist intent is a very distant second for me. So it's Fair. not that it's not yeah. as crucial for me because yeah. they could have, Hey, every artist intends to make the greatest thing ever, mm-hmm. but let's actually see what they did. Right. Sort of thing. But no, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And like there are artists that are absolutely assholes, but that is their process. But there's a difference between Michael like, <laughs> like, uh, like, you know, Kubrick or Hitchcock are, not regarded as pleasant people, but a lot of people also are like, yeah, he sucked to work with, but I got what he was going for and I got why he was beating this performance out of me or whatnot. But it was not being also a monster in their personal life and trying to justify it through the film. It does help. Yeah. And even then, I mean, it definitely makes some stuff harder to watch. The Shining is tough. Yeah. Because there was no reason for what he was doing to Shelley Duvall. Oh, God, no. Like, just and, uh, relax. The Birds. The Birds is a movie about yeah. how society is, like, recoiling against feminism mm-hmm. and how a lot of, you know, traditionalists, like, I mean, the women in the town flock together like the birds against the teacher and the independent woman mm-hmm. and, air quote, henpeck them. And birds are, yeah. you know, a term for women in the UK, like he made a movie that's basically satirizing how feminism is being just recoiled against mm. and yet treated the women in the movie like garbage. In his defense, he treats all actors as garbage, regardless of gender. Right. But, but like the but way he the did tie birds through. to Tippi Hedren's arms. <laughs> so right. it's just brutal. It's one of those things where like you, you remember what you're trying to say while you're doing this, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a weird like your message is not lost on you, right? Yeah, but yeah. All right, so on this final note, 
Transformers Rise of the Beasts is amazing, and Pat doesn't know anything. We'll see you next week. Rest in peace, Tony Hickox. <laughs> oh, man, Tony Hickox died. Yeah, fuck. If you want to interact with us online, you can check us out on Instagram or Twitter at Amityville Show, or you can send us an email at podcastamityville at gmail.com. 